Hi guys, welcome back to episode 25 of season 4 of Melanin Girl Prom Podcast. And today, since it is Melanin March, I am going to be talking about the lovely, the insatiable Whitney Houston. And I also just want to talk about Whitney Houston's impact um, on the music community in general. Um, I feel like when Whitney Houston had passed away, her death sparked a lot of you know, reaction among the music fans. People express every emotion imaginable, distress, disdain, reverence, and befuddlement. The very responses were correlating with Houston's trouble personally, which grabbed the later stages of her career. And I feel like while some of us kind of focus on her visible struggles with her drug and her rock relationship with Valley Brown and Houston's remarkable impact from a commercial standpoint, Houston was one of the most best-selling female artists of all time and one of the most popular musical acts of the 1980s to 1990s. She possessed a voice that was often imitated but rarely duplicated. Still, Houston influence extends beyond her commercial appeal or even her talent. She set a number of musical benchmarks that will take a generation or two to be met or even surpassed. Um, I remember not really, it was shown um, even before like her musical career began to to gain mainstream. Houston made history when she was one of the first African Americans to appear on the cover of Seventeen magazine. She later was made to be one of the first Black musicians to be promptly featured on NTV. And then Houston was one of the few. Um, well, someone said in an interview, uh, named by Rebecca uh, Transfer Point on 2016 Slant article, Houston was one of the only black faces that white girls like me who grew up in the 1980s ever saw in a magazine in our dentist's office or in a video rotation of early African African AM live on MTV. For many black girls, she was the only young female role model presented in little white teen vibes or mainstream entertainment who looked anything like them. Uh, wrote at the time and then Houston's self-titled album was the epitome of a monster reduction the album which featured classics such as how will I know or the greatest love of all and saving all my love for you is the, to this day the best-selling debut by any female vocalist many of those tunes from that album are still radio staples to this day in Houston's Los Angeles time arbitrary Gruffdorf Butcher wrote that critics moaned that the material was too flimsy for such a prestigious instrument, but Houston revealed in the success. She became a major crossover star, and with her church background and relatively wholesome aura, she was one of the rare female recording stars who was young, attractive, but not overly sexualized on stage or on screen. Perhaps unsurprisingly, given the show's history, Houston was not allowed to compete in the 1986 for the Grammy Best New Artist Award. She was disqualified for the category because she took part in a duet with Teddy Pendergrass. No matter what, Wendy Houston is the gold standard for debuts by any artist, male or female. And then, when it came up for the following Whitney Houston, Whitney said in more records, the first four songs of her albums, I Want to Dance with Somebody, Who Loves Me, Don't We All don't we almost have it all so emotional and where do broken hearts go went to number one that gave houston seven straight number one singles surpassing such bands as the beetle and the biggies and i think what's really impressive with that like she's continued to crush milestones after milestone after milestones with her music career and inspire many artists that we all love today because they also look up to Whitney Houston as a very positive role model and I think overall when even when she sings the 
Star Spangled Banner at one at Super Bowl. I think it was 25, if I'm not mistaken. Um, there, when he said her own rendition of you know the Star Spangled Banner, and which came right time the United States had started fighting in the Gulf War. Um, and not with the, you know, the controversy or where the actual performers were actually lip synced during the time, but Houston's version of this patriotic team was so popular that it actually charted on the Billboard's Hot 100. Roughly 10 years later, Houston executed uh, the American National Anthem, renewed the public conscience after September 11th terrorist attack. And then after that, you know, Whitney appeared in films with the bodyguard was short, Nothing short of historic. The album in that in that particular movie was far away and the best-selling recording for of this film for all time, and captured the Grammy for Album of the Year in 1994. And of course, the album features Houston's most popular song. It covers Dolly Parton's "I Will Always Love You." And beyond inspiring people to reach for their ever-exclusive high note, Tune spent 14 weeks at the top of the Billboard's Hot 100. And "I Will Always Love You" is Houston's best charting song to this day. And then between Houston's commercial and cultural impact is undeniable. Yet one of the biggest takeaways from Houston's career is how she influenced others. Will there be a Mariah Carey, a Christina Aguilera, or Jennifer Hudson without Houston? Maybe. But Houston paved the way for female artists with serious talent to thrive in the realm of popular music. And hopefully Whitney Houston's immersive um, ecstasy looms longer than her sad decline. For now, artists she influenced will continue her legacy. And I feel, you know along that that storefront of Whitney's career and how she impacted the music industry as a whole I think you know um she will be missed and you know you kind of think many other great artists who have passed during their time and including Whitney Houston herself I think you gotta think you have to realize like what kind of music was she had released if she was still alive today and she also broke one of the Guinness World Records. She remained one of the best-selling artists of all time, with sales that exceeded a 200 million albums sold. In her lifetime, she recorded seven studio albums, three movie soundtracks, all which were certified diamond and multi-platinum, platinum or gold, by the Record Industry Association of America. She released 57 charted singles and is the only artist in history to achieve seven consecutive number one singles. Her influence on music is very profound. She altered music and, you know, all her songs just speak very true to that. And it also reflects that in her career as well because I feel like the legacy of Whitney Houston will even strive, you know, beyond generations to come. Even the generations that are coming up even, you know, now. And I feel like, you know, the musical world like mourned a loss but also the world kind of mo- like mourned a loss of Whitney when her death came to, to fruition and I don't think any, like any of us was kind of like expecting it because we knew she had like her issues with drugs and I think we thought she was getting better then the reports are coming in for the last about a month and then it just hits you like dang such a wonderful soul gone too soon and you know it's by one of the man-made world easiest um, addiction. And I think that's kind of sad. But going back to Whitney Houston's career, influenced many of the pop music leaders we have, like Mariah Carey, Beyonce, Kelly Clarkson, Dana Pratson, and a number of all claim that Houston was a very strong influence on their career. This is incredible list considering that these fans, these singers had, and that many of their songs are prevalent in our society. 
I learned that Whitney Houston not only affected what I watch on television, but also what music I'm surrounded with. She changed the culture of television with her music and helped remove racist attitude. The diva also helped mold the pop music of today with her image and her voice. Her death would hold no gravity gravity for a lot of people, and especially for me because she came grew up in my own town in New Jersey, which kind of made another impact. Whitney Houston was and is a music icon. You know, I respect her even though, you know, her time, I felt like her time was cut a little bit short. I just wish, you know, that she could have stayed just on this artist a little longer. So I at least could have met her and hugged her. And she, she was like someone I looked up to growing up, especially when she did the rendition of the Fairly God, uh, the Godmother, the Fairly God, Fairy Godmother in Cinderella. And, you know, just her rendition of singing with Brandy and Impossible and just, you know, find out that she produced the whole entire movie. And I'm just like, oh, I would love to meet her, just to hug her. Even though I didn't say anything to her, just to hug, just to be, you know, in the same room with her. That would have been like the best moment of my life. But I think, you know, to have such a sweet soul and this kind of will just be taken from it's kind of sad i just wish we just got a little bit more time with her because she who knows what other great wisdom and music she would have gifted us with but you know her legacy will continue to live on even though if she's no longer here but she's inspired so many artists that we are used to today and i think you know that will always stand with us and that's something i hope the new generation can experience as well Thank you for tuning into this podcast episode for Melon in March, and I'll see you real soon with an episode. Until then, bye.